Genesis chapter 1, we'll go there and this evening just to take a few moments and probably be a little bit more illustrative and maybe just uh, thought-provoking. Brother, Brother uh, Jenkins, an honor to speak in the same meeting with him. It's my first time to do that. I've heard him speak numerous times, but very grateful for the opportunity to speak with him. And thank you, Brother Vasic, for allowing me to be a small extension of your ministry here. And uh, what a hospitable place. You guys are just too nice. You're setting the example for us and embarrassing the fire out of us at the same time. But uh, thank you for your kindness to us. We've really enjoyed being here. And you bought us. A, I've never, I've, I've spoken a few times in my life, not too many times. But uh, I was 32 years old and I was a school teacher. And I'd preached seven times in my entire life before I became a pastor of a church. And uh, I, two of those times, three of those times, I threw up when I spoke. I thought, uh, not in the service, but before. I was so nervous. <laughs> I was so afraid, you know, and I remember I got to go to college, and I was, I was going to Hiles Anderson College, but I was there to just serve the Lord. I wasn't there to be a pastor, and I remember standing in the line, and they were saying, you know, well, what's your major? What's your major? And, I, and they asked people in front of me. I thought, what in the world am I going to say when they asked me my major? All I know is I have $675 to hand to somebody in a minute here to get in this college, and I had no idea what my major. I didn't look at a catalog or anything like that. I was just foolish, and a country bumpkin from Tennessee, you know, and trying to figure out how to get in college. And I heard him asking, what's your major? What's your major? And the guy in front of me, I said, I said, hey, hey, what, what's your major? And he said, pastoral theology. I said, good. What's that mean? You know, and he said, that means, that means I'm going to preach, man. I got to preach or I'll die. I said, I'd rather die than preach. I don't want to do that. <laughs> and uh, boy, I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. And there's something else we can do in this college, you know. And one other guy Said, you can be an educator, you know, where the house says, if you don't know what to do, be an education. You can transfer out or you can, God can transition you. People respect teachers, but I was just thinking, I just finished 13, 13 years of school. I'm committed to four more to go back to school. I don't want to do that. I want to go, go do something else, you know. And the last guy, I asked him, what's your major? He had a catalog and he said, oh, I want to take this pastoral assistant program. Because all I want to do is help my pastor. And that's one thing I've always had is good pastors. And so I thought, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to help my pastor. He said, plus, if you take this, you don't have to take Greek. I said, I'm taking that, you know. And so now I don't know any Greek. But, uh, but uh, a few years later, I became a pastor of a church and I'm very thankful to do that and have had the joy to be at uh, First Baptist Hammond and part of Hiles Anderson College. And just a thrill. But to be in churches like this is just a humbling thing and just a blessed thing. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for punching holes in the darkness. Great song choir. I don't know that song. I got to get that song, Prove Me Now. Is it Prove Me Now? I don't know about that song, but I'm going to find out about that. That's a good song. You know, it's, it's found in Malachi, especially to talk about the tithe. I guess all of you guys are tithers, right? So that, that was a good song. And then our enthusiastic song leader, man, he was getting me nervous. I thought he was pointing right at me. Like he's going to come off, put that finger in my nose and say, but that was great, and I sure, sure love the songs and the, the special music and looking forward to all that God will do for us. Uh, some great kids have come to the college from this church, and uh, of course, Zach and Catherine back there, lovebirds, they came, and we're very thankful for them, and then Fred, and so glad to have Kit, and, and of course, Jose, I think, is there, and we're very thankful for the young people that God has brought, and looking forward to... Um, what the Lord will do. Of course, Joseph is out on tour this summer. And Joey, you guys probably miss him, but we're glad he's on tour and being used to the Lord and, and making fun of people and imitating people and things of that nature. So 
That's good. I think he's, I think he's making fun of Brother Hiles, and he cannot dare to defend himself anymore, you know. But uh, Brother Jesse Dominguez and him are having a time imitating people, so that's good. So we'll get him up in college chapel sometimes and maybe embarrass them. I don't know about that. We'll see, but we're looking forward to that. Then glad to have Amanda and Lauren and Matthew this fall. We're looking forward to having them in school as well, so that'll be fun. And thank God for that. Genesis chapter 1, of course you're very familiar with this, but tonight I just want to just share with you, I think a little bit of an analogy between how God created the world and how God created you and created me. And I think the analogy is very neat. I was reading uh, notes in my Bible by D.L. Moody one time, and I saw this seed thought. And then I heard Brother Marvin Smith one time. I was teaching school years ago, and Brother Marvin Smith did, Marvin Smith did a Christian school chapel, and he alluded to some of these very same points. And when I heard that, I thought, that makes sense to me. Aren't you amazed how smart God is? The Bible is beyond all other books, like uh, a river is beyond a drop of water. Like a mountain is beyond a grain of sand. It's just, it's just over the top. It's like the sun is beyond a candle. You know, someone said about the Bible, I think R.G. Lee, it, it is a fountain in which martyrs have cooled their faces. It's a pillow in which saints of all ages have rested their hearts. It breaks the fetters of the slave. It's the greatest agent of change known to mankind. It takes the pain out of parting. It takes the grief out of sorrow. And it gives us a hope that is steadfast and sure. I'm glad I have the Bible. But I, the more I read the Bible, the more it reads me. And the more I realize we got a God that's pretty awesome. I get embarrassed because I tend to play with sparklers when I have a whole arsenal full of opportunities I don't use. And, and uh, we just uh, uh, fail to see how wonderful and how powerful. I think what the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the dynamite of God. The gospel's not broken. I just don't preach it enough. I don't get it out enough. I don't let it be going. It blows up in the heart of people, regardless of who they may be. But when I read the book of Genesis, it just blesses my heart. I'm preparing to preach on this tomorrow night in service in, at First Baptist of Hammond, going through a, a survey of the whole book of Genesis. And, and so I'm reading the 50 chapters a couple times in preparation for that. And I think about the first words of the Bible. You have it there. Let's read it together. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, and the light was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness was called night, and the evening and the morning were first Let's pray together. Our Father, thank you for the privilege of being able to be an extension of your ministry to the hearts of people. For someone here that's not truly saved, Let them not leave tonight without Jesus. If there's someone here this evening that they're saved, but they just need to find themselves in a progression that they have stagnated in or become apathetic, please bring conviction. Help us, Lord. I know you do not need me, but once again, I need you. Please help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, you know the days of creation, and I do not believe in evolution. I don't think you, if you had a brain in your head and a Bible in your lap, you cannot believe in evolution. Evolution is a fairy tale with millions and millions of years as its magic wand. It's just, 
that it saddens me, it's ridiculous, and I think it's crazy to, to imagine that. Much easier to believe that just God created everything, in my opinion. And that's God's opinion. He does not try to prove his existence. You know, when someone asks you, I don't, they tell you, how do you know there's a God? Tell them I believe it by faith. How do you know there's not one? Now, there's the same thing. But God says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But that earth that he created was without form. It was dark and it was empty. But then God said, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So it looks like to me that God, he said, I created everything, the heavens and the earth. But the earth at the moment after I created it was not like we have it today. It was without form. That means it was not maybe the round shape that we have today. It was a blob of water. It was empty. Nothing inside. It was dark. And then the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, the Bible said. And the Lord God said, let there be light. And the first day... All he did was turn the light on to a formerly dark, shapeless, empty planet that he made. And even the morning were the first day. The second day, God said, let's take the waters and divide the waters. This blob of waters will divide the waters from the waters and create firmament or space. He put water in the heavens and water on the earth. And he created distance between the heavens where God lives and the earth where he had made. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Day number one, he just turned the light on. Day number two, he divided the waters from the waters. Some people believe that he put put a band of water in the firmament that uh, allowed like a greenhouse effect until the uh, flood came. I don't know if that theory is correct or not, but he definitely created distance between the heavens and the earth and divided the waters. And that's all he did on day number two. Day number three, he said, now let's make dry ground appear. For the sake of time, and I want to give Brother Jenkins time to speak at the end of the night tonight. I'm just going to talk you through the story. I hope you'll read it. Please, I don't want to do anything that would be unjust to the Scriptures. It probably may be more advantageous to read the whole book of Genesis tonight rather than listen to me. But I'm trying to explain this thing. Day number three, he said, let's let dry ground appear on this blob that I made. And on that dry ground, let's put vegetation. And then he put plants. And inside every plant, he put a seed so that seed could reproduce after his own kind. And even the morning were the third day. Then on the fourth day, God made the sun to rule the day, the moon to rule the night, and he made the stars also. Just like almost like, well, I think I'll throw some stars out there. You know, this is just extra there. Of course, you study the stars, it's amazing. And they give you the millions and millions of all the things that just amazes. But he said, you know, I'm going to make the sun. And the sun will provide warmth to the planet. It will provide direction to the people that live on the planet. So they'll know north, east, south, west, based upon where the sun is. 
And it will be stable every time. It will come up in the morning. It will go down in the evening. And no one gets up and says, boy, I just hope the sun comes out. I hope. No, no, it just, it'll just do that. And for seasons, for warmth and for direction. And the evening and morning were the fourth day. Day number five, he says, now on day number five, I want to make something that's very unique to creation. I'm going to make those two things that live under the water and those that fly above the land. I'm going to make the fish that swim and the birds that fly. The two things that human beings cannot do, no matter how gifted, strong, tough, how good your, your lungs are, you cannot live underwater unless you have help, like a submarine. You cannot fly unless you can get on a Delta jet or a United jet or a Southwest jet, unless you get some help. You can do that with help, but you can't do it on your own. doesn't matter how much you do this, it's not going to happen. So in the day number five, he made things that, that uh, fish that swim, birds that fly, and that's, that's what he made in day number five, eating more with the fifth day. Day number six, he made the animal kingdom. He made all the monkeys and the, 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 the cats and the dogs and the lizards and the reptiles and things of that nature. He made them. And then in verse 26... The Bible says this, God said, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, same Father, Son, Holy Spirit that you see in the first few words of the Bible, the Spirit of God move, God the Father said, the Word of God is the Lord Jesus Christ, and He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, make, let's make him. And so He made man And then he blew into man's nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. And the evening and morning were the sixth day. And then God saw all that he had made in verse 31 and 30 30, following. He said, and God saw it and he said, every day he finished after three. He said, and God saw all he made. He said, it was good. Day number four, oh, he saw the, the galaxies and he saw the sun, the moon, the stars. He said, oh, it's good. Day number five, he made it. He made the fishes swim and made the colors. Are you ever amazed? It's just the colors of fish. Just like how in the world without crayons? It's amazing. Just make those. And he made the fish and the birds and the flamingos and the, and the eagles and all those things. He made all those things. Day number five, and he said, it's good. I like it. Day number six, and he made man. And then on day number seven, in chapter two, he made the Sabbath day for rest. And then the rest of chapter 2, he begins to tell what he did on day number 6, primarily. He describes the garden, and then he describes how he, day number 6, he made Adam, and he wasn't satisfied with Adam only. Adam couldn't be by himself, and he said he made it make a help me for him. And he describes day number 6 on, on chapter 2. So we see, let's just rehearse real quickly, what happened on day number 1? Let there be... Light. Day number two, let's divide the waters from the, and we create firmament or space. Then day number three, let's let the dry ground appear, and then on that dry ground put vegetation, and inside of every single vegetation in an apple, there's an apple seed and an orange, an orange seed. Let's put a seed so that seed can reproduce itself. Day number three. Day number four, let's make the sun, the rule of the day, the, the night, the moon, the night, the stars also. Day number five, make the fish that swim, birds that fly. Day number six, he'll make 
the animal kingdom, and then he'll make man in his own image. Day number seven, he will rest with his creation. Well, you see, you see what God did, but you can also see what God does with you and me. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new what? What's another word for creature? New creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So when I got saved, God, I was already his creation, but I became a new creature. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. Now I am a new creature in Christ. So he describes, I think, also you can see the analogy. There's a progress going on in my life. And I started out the creation of God. But quite frankly, spiritually, every one of us are dark, empty, and without purpose. It's what this world is. This world's in darkness. He said, you need to share the gospel of Christ and bring them from darkness to light. The world's in darkness. That's why we go sowing on Saturdays. That's why you take gospel tracts with you because the world's in darkness. They, I remember one day I was talking to a guy who was mean as a snake. His dad had left him as a child and he hated his, he just so frustrated with his dad and he had married now and he had three children and my wife was watching his children one day and, and babysitting his kids and I was trying to warm up to him and he wasn't warming real good. But finally one day I went out to his car and I, I, I went out to, he was, he was putting something in his trunk. I said, Moses, would you just give me a chance to take the Bible sometime and show you how to get to heaven from here? It was the best day of my life when someone explained that to me. He slammed his trunk down and he said, you know what, John? I'm kind of sick of all this noise out here. Nothing's making sense. What's the purpose of life? He said, you know, maybe I will. And three days later, he called me and said, hey, you ready to have that conversation? I said, yes. And it was a joy to see him get saved and see his wife get saved and just sweetly grow in the Lord. It was fun to see the change that happened inside of him. But what he was saying is, I don't have purpose. And that's how we are without God. We are lost. We are dark. We are empty. We are are without purpose or form. But thank God for the Spirit of God. Just like the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, the Spirit of God moved. And by the way, He's moving right now. And the people that you know, the people you ride the train with, the people that you work with, the people in your community, the Spirit of God is working. One of the most comforting things to me about winning people to Christ and witnessing to people is to know I never do it by myself. The Spirit of God has to be there to bring conviction of sin, of righteousness and judgment. But an empty world and a soul, there is an emptiness there. And now the Spirit of God begins to work. Everyone who's saved knows that happened to them. You can see God. I remember before I got saved, I was in a car accident. And uh, I remember my, it was a a youth rally. And my dad, the the service got over. My dad, at the end of the youth rally, said, you know what, I need to. He, He was sitting in the back over here and yeah, the invitation, it wasn't very many people came forward. And my dad came up to the guy. I, I was kind of embarrassed because, like, what is my dad doing, you know? He says, he said, can I just say something to the crowd tonight? And I'm thinking, wow, what's my dad doing, you know? And he said, you know, guys, we don't know any of us are going to make it to our house tonight. He says, is there anybody here that's not saved? Don't go away without Jesus. He said something like that. And he said, I just, I'm burdened to tell you. We don't know what's going to happen tonight. And 
And I thought, well, no, I said, and a, and a few people kind of seemed to respond to that. And the pastor said, I think we need to lead another song. And a couple of people came forward. But we got in our van that night, and uh, I was sitting over there in the front seat and uh, with another guy with four seat belts for a thing, and the heater was coming out right there. It was a cold night, and I was sitting there, and, and my dad said, hey, guys, I'd rather you guys get in the back. Y'all sit in the back behind me. And uh, I said, Dad, it's warmer here. He said, I know, but I just feel better if you got in the back. And the other boys, Dad owned the van, and he really put up his, he goes, no, nah, I'm not moving, Mr. Wilkinson. I want to stay right here. And he said, all right, okay, stay there. And John, you get over here in the back. And I, I, I sat behind him, and I fell asleep in the seat right behind my dad. About 20 minutes later, a drunk driver hit that car, came across there, hit the front of that thing. Next thing I know, I was laying on top of a police car with a broken hip, and, and I was hurt, and my dad was injured, and, and kids were you know, on the side of, the, side of the, the highway there in the middle of the night, in a cold night. And, and I, heard, I heard two boys come around, and they said uh, it was Tom and and uh, Tom, Tom, excuse me, it was Tom's brothers, Jim and Jerry. And he said, hey, Mr. Wilson, Tom's not waking up. Come over here. Help me. Help me. Get Tom up. And, of course, Tom, went, he instantly was killed. And I remember that right there happening to me. And, boy, as I was laying in the hospital having a couple of surgeries on my hip, when I got back to church, I was wide-eyed, man. I was ready. I was God had done a work in my heart where I, don't, I, don't, I think the pastor could have got up and read John 3.16 and I wanted to get saved, you know. God had done something far before I heard the word of God again. I had the spirit of God had been working on my heart. Well, the spirit of God moves. And then the Lord God said, let there be light. And that was day number one. Day number one is a representation of salvation. The day the light comes on in your heart and you trust Jesus Christ, your Savior. Hey, everyone here needs to have a day number one. If you're not sure about that, get that settled. I was talking to Amanda Vasek today, and she was telling me, she said, I asked her, what did God do to bring you to Christ? She said, well, you know what? I was raised in church. She said, about 2011, I think, he was at a camp meeting with Brother, Brother Jenkins. She said, it was four nights of meetings, or three nights of meetings, because every night I knew I was lost. I knew I was lost. I knew I was lost. I'd struggled for a long time, but I even saw Joseph go forward, and Joey got, got his salvation settled. And I think when he did it, it gave me courage that that, that next night I was going to get saved, or she got saved. Hey. Well, if you're here tonight, you don't have a day number one. Get a day number one. Make sure you know for sure you're saved. What happens after day number one? Day number two, God takes that creation and he separates it. He creates distance between this world that we live on and God's world that he lives on. Separation. It's one of the reasons I love being an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, barnstorming, shingle-pulling, whatever other thing you could say, Baptists. I'm so glad. Now, I know there's other people going to heaven, but they're not Baptists. I understand that. There's some wonderful people that love Jesus Christ more or, more or as much as I do. But I'm so glad that for the most part, most independent Baptists have a separation about them. The Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. The reception, not for salvation, but for fellowship comes when I am separated from the world. He said, love not the world, neither things are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You can't say you love the Father and love the world. Ben Sadner says you can't love flowers and not hate weeds. You can't love sin and not, and, and, and you can't love sin and love the Lord. Separation has to be there. Separation cannot be leapfrogged. The day number three, day number one is salvation. Number two, it's, it's day one is salvation. Day number two is separation. Day number three is spiritual growth and soul winning. Yeah. 
That's when things, green things start growing. My mother has a green thumb. She delights in taking something all wilted and woo, it turns, turns to life. Some of you are probably like that. You like seeing stuff grow. Well, that's what happened. Every three, they began the spiritual growth. And then God put a seed inside of every one of us so that we could reproduce as well. Every saint ought to be a soul winner. Every member ought to be a minister. The fruit of a Christian is not love, joy, peace. That's the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of a Christian is another Christian. You ought to decide, you know, I am not going to sit in my church one more year without having someone else sit there with me. With God, with my help, I'm going to find somebody in the world, the 7.4 billion people live, I'm going to find somebody and explain the gospel to them and help them grow in spiritual maturity. Reproduce yourself. Reproduce. Say, you know, I'm, it's not. It's not. It's, it's great to sing in the choir. It's great to usher. But you know, every one of us ought to have a passion. It's much more soul is much more a passion than it is a methodology. You have a passion. This world needs someone who is real and someone who is ready to get the gospel to them. Day number three represents spiritual growth and soul winning. Day number four. So once again, day number one. What's the, what represents salvation? salvation. Day number two. Biblical separation. By the way, separation one of the most beautiful doctrines of the Bible. It's beautiful. It's needed. You separate from the world. You'll be a much better dad if you separate from pornography. You'll be a much better husband if you separate from things that are questionable. You'll be a much better person if you separate from worldliness. You can't live a godly life on a diet of HBO and every stinking movie that's going on today. You're not going to do that. You're not going to live a spiritual life and a holy life and, and if, you're, if you're like the world. Separation. Spiritual growth. Soul winning. Day number four. Uh, it is service. Just like the sun services this planet. As people grow in their walk of God, they get saved. They separate into God. By the way, you can't leapfrog separation. That's the problem with many church movements today. They're saved. But they're never going to spiritually grow until they're willing to separate. There has to be purity. I think about that where the Bible tells us to add to your faith. What's the next thing? And then to virtue what? Knowledge. What's between faith and knowledge? What is virtue? Virtue is pureness, purity, separation. There you separate. And now well, people will fight about that. But I'm just telling you, you're going to have a much better chance of growing spiritually when you separate from bad friends, bad association, bad attitudes, bad entertainment. Then spiritual growth, soul winning. Then service. Every one of us, God made us to serve. He is not going to say, well done, thou good and faithful sitter. Oh, you are fantastic. No, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful doing what? Serving. You've been faithful now, which is least. You make you ruler in much. Lots of reasons to serve, but that's where God wants me to be. He wants me to be to a place. And what does the sun, the moon, the stars do? They serve the planet. They serve it by providing stability. They're there. You don't have to wonder, oh, I hope the sun comes up. No, it just comes up. You can count your clock with the sun. It's going to be there. Now, maybe it might be veiled by some... By some clouds, but it's going to be there. It's cost daytime. Boy, your church, you ought to be there. 
Your presence and your participation encourages those around you. Be present. Thank God. And I I refer to the choir. I love seeing the choir sing. But the choir has to get there before we do most of the time. They have to get ready to sing. It blesses our heart to see you there. But thank you for being there. Provide stability. What else does the sun do? It provides direction and warmth. You know, some of you, when, we, when you walk in the room, we're glad. Some of you, when you walk out, we get glad. <laughs> and you know what the change is? is the difference is your spirit. Yes, if you encourage me, I want you to stay with me. If you discourage me, I'm looking forward to your exit. You know, all of us ought to be servants. We ought to be glad to, to provide warmth to this church. Unsaved people. Why do we want unsaved people to come? What in the world? Are they going to be impressed because of the building? No, you could probably not find nicer, but it's a beautiful building, but that's not going to really go, wow. No, they're not going to do that. Are they going to be impressed because of the performance? No, the world can probably put up a little bit better lighting. They got more money. They can do a lot of things there. So is the music going to impress the unsaved world? It's not meant for unsaved people. So why do we want unsaved people to walk through that door? Two reasons. Hear God's word. Feel God's love. And you know the pastor can't do all of that. You got a great pastor. Whether it's uh, Brother Bish or Brother Vasek or Brother Fesh or whoever other pastors it might be. They're wonderful. But they can't do all the loving in the church. That's what your job is to do. Provide the love, provide the warmth in the church, and provide direction. Everybody needs somebody to help them. Disciple them, encourage them. Day number four is service. Day number five, I don't even know what to name it, but to stay with S's, I want to say super life. Things that only spiritually infused people can do. Things that only I can do with God's help. When the waters are deep, when you have to wait upon the Lord and soar with wings as when you have to fly over the circumstances of life, when you have to, when you have to go through deep waters and God gives you gills to deal with that. He gives the submarine. He gives the grace. Have you ever seen someone go through a trial and you're thinking, how do they even function? If half of what happened to them happened to me, I'd go to the funny farm. If I got my foot chopped off, it won't work for me on my leg or cancer or the other trials that people have around me, thinking, good night in the morning. What happens? As they make progression, they get saved. They separate into God. They're spiritually strong and they're winning people to the Lord. They find areas of service and then... God lets them go through some deep valleys, some deep waters, some places, uh, mountains that are hard to get through, and He gives them wings to fly. He gives them spiritually infused help. And you know, during that time also, after the trial and during the trial, nothing quite platforms you to an unsaved world like a trial. And, And strengthens us through difficult times. And each of us, boy, if I had all the, if we had just the time tonight, say, everybody, let's give, just give your hardest trial. The most difficult thing you ever had to go through. Brother Kagan would probably say, my wife dying. I want to say, well, I've got cancer. I, you know, this happened to me. Or I was molested as a child. Or 
And uh, I was, this happened to me or whatever. We, if we heard just everybody's hardest trial, what happens? How do they keep going through that situation? Well, they get God's grace. Spiritually challenged. And then day number six. What's happened day number six? God says, let us make man in our image. You know, this is what God's goal is for us. He wants us to be like Jesus. To be conformed to the image of His Son. To, to, to grow in the stature of the fullness of Christ. When the world looks at me, they should see Jesus. That's what God's plan. He wants me to respond to people, to love people, to react to problems, to difficulties in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be spirit-filled. He wants me to be like Jesus, to act and respond the same way. That's God's goal with me. In this world and forever we'll be with Him, for we'll be like Him and we'll see Him as He is. But in this life, God's goal for me is that I can be like Jesus Christ. And live in the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then day number seven is an eternal rest with Him. Enjoying the God and the Creator of God for all eternity. Well, we're not there yet. But I'm telling you, I do believe with all my heart how you make the progression in this life will determine the extent of your joy in the Sabbath rest. If you think for a moment heaven's the same for everybody, I think you haven't read your Bible. What you do right now while you can do something and where you are in this progression uh, is going to determine your enjoyment. Now, everybody is going to go to to heaven because of the grace of God. Don't get me wrong. You cannot work your soul to save that the Lord hath done. But after you're saved, you can work like any slave for the love of God's dear son. The secret of salvation is to learn that you cannot... You can't be earned. You can't earn it. But once I have the light turned on for me by the Lord Jesus Christ, I need to start separating myself from things that are counterproductive to my faith. I need to grow and be active about telling folks about Jesus Christ. I need to serve the Lord. Take off your bib and put on an apron. I'm sick to death of seeing guys who have been saved 30 years. I'm just not getting fed. You big fat mouth, you. You've got plenty of, you're, you're, you're so information fat and so application skinny, it's embarrassing. You've had so much information given to you, you just don't put it, you, you, you just don't put it into thing. You don't put it into practice. I'm not getting fed at this church, you know. That's ridiculous. You know what you need to do is take off your little, your little bib and put on your apron and find someone else to feed and you'll start learning stuff. Find something that needs help and do something. Put focusing upon your appetites and focus on the appetites that God wants you to fill and the needs of others. And then God's going to take you some trials. He's going to give you a special strength and grace. And then that makes us more like Jesus. And then we can enjoy Jesus far more greater. Where are you in creation's illustration tonight? Here's what happens in some people's lives. Sometimes they stagnate. They're saved and satisfied. Sometimes they, they get saved and they separate and they grow for a while and they start serving and all of a sudden, whoo, go back over here and they have problems with separation. And they stop growing, stop soul winning, stop serving. And one thing the Bible tells us, and we know this, to be steadfast, unmovable, always what? Abounding. Abounding. He says, grow in 
and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Keep the growth process going. Don't stop. Don't stagnate. And if you find yourself, you get up here, and boy, the Lord's brought you some trials, don't fall back over here to worldliness. Thank God you don't go past day number one again. Once you're saved, you're forever saved. But don't get over here and slow down because it is separation that breeds spiritual growth and soul winning and service and, and super living with the Holy Spirit's infused help and then the stature of the fullness of Christ. Where are you tonight? If you find yourself saying, you know, I don't want to stay there. I don't want to keep going. And you're going to enjoy a creator forever in a much better way. I went to Disneyland two different times. One with $3. One time I went to Disneyland all day with $3. Another time I went with about $1,000. Tell me which day was more fun. <laughs> you can't even buy a cup of water at Disneyland for $3. You can ride all. I thought all the rides were free, so I thought everything was free. I thought they were going to put a little bunny ears and a little uh, Mickey Mouse ears on my head when I walked in there. I thought they would start handing me cotton candy and everything. I mean, I paid an ungodly amount of money to get in there. Might as well. It was a gift. Uh, I didn't realize that... Uh, it's not the happiest place on earth when you have $3 and you're there for 10 hours. That's not fun. This was before ATM machines and all that stuff. But, uh, but when you go to the happiest place on earth and you have a little bit of money, you can enjoy it a lot better. You know, heaven's the most wonderful place on the planet, universe. You need to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You know how you lay up your treasures? You do all those things. And let God help you with that. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege.